Listening to the coffee hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Mental Health Monday, and we get to continue our conversation with Deaconess Heidi Gayman in just a moment. Thanksgiving right around the corner. Yeah, Very a couple days. About, yes, exactly. All the food. <laughs> All the food. But we're not talking about food today. We're, we're going to dig into. Uh, Finding Hope in just a little bit. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting the coffee hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. Joining us today, Deaconess Heidi Gaiman, author of Finding Hope, and uh, that's from Concordia Publishing House. Good morning, Heidi. Good morning. I am excited to continue our conversation. Had a little hiatus last week, a mm-hmm. little change of plan. So, um, <laughs> but we, it was fun. We got to to jump in there with a little rebroadcast from Dr. Yankee. So about uh, self care, and so uh, this kind of this book, I, I found it to be a form of self care as I've been reading through this and digging into the topic. So today we're going to take a look at the next chapter: brokenness and disintegration. Do you like how I put all the syllables in there? <laughs> you did. That was good. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. brokenness. Let's get into some definitions. Let's start with brokenness first. What is brokenness? So we talked about this at length in our earlier episodes and the idea that there is four kinds of brokenness that interact with our life. And there may be more. These are the ones I found in the research that I was doing in the last couple of years, biblically and also within just my own relationships and interactions in the church and in therapy practice and things like that. And I think the one that really stands out, brokenness is sin in our lives, in ourselves and in those that we love. It's the the way that we bring sin into the world. It's also the way that other people bring sin into our lives with their own stuff. It's also that original sin that we believe in, that we are because of the fall into sin in Genesis 3 and the natural consequences that come from sin landing in the world that we then are born with a sinful heart, mind, soul, strength, the whole thing. And it infiltrates all parts of us. The good news for us is that Jesus Christ also can infiltrate all of us with his love and redemption. And as baptized children of God, we rejoice that we have been infiltrated. So Brokenness, then, the final one that we talked about is the one that I think we miss the most, and that is the brokenness that comes with our awareness of these things, that there is shame then as part of our life. And how do we move in it? How does Christ remove it? And then how do we pick it up again? And then how do we bring it to other people and all of that good stuff? And that awareness piece is something we miss a lot of the time. And so brokenness's basic definitions are in the book on page 23. If the reader has the reader, if the listener or has one. <laughs> I might be reading too. <laughs> you might be reading. The existence and awareness of sin and all that is broken in us and around us. And, and that's that piece. Like I said, I feel so passionately that if we can use the term brokenness more often for people and help define it as that awareness 
of sin in life and awareness that things aren't quite right. That is so helpful because when we only say sin and only refer to the struggle and mess as sin, then we see it as uh, shaming and shameful and that it's our fault. And we would not want to do that with someone who has a mental health struggle. We would not want to do that with a lot of the natural things that come from living in a sinful world. And so the language of brokenness gives us a way to communicate with people so that they can understand the things that we need to confess, but also the things that aren't ours to hold, but that God still invites us to bring before him. And so that's a little basic overview of brokenness. There's a couple more definitions in the book. I'll let you pick up the book, reader and listener, if you'd like to uh, hear some more about that. The other part that is connected to this, though, is disintegration. Disintegration is the fact that basically the world falls apart as sin comes into it. And our world often does very literally feel like it's falling apart at times because of sin in us, around us. But also, again, that that deeper thing that's our awareness of all of this. We are not robots. That's one reason we deal and struggle with all of this is the concept of free will. But God, he works in that too and in that awareness of the fact that our bodies don't maybe work the way that we want them to at times. And we're going to talk about that one next week, I believe, or our emotions are kind of all over the place or we are not quite sure what's going on with them and we as a culture have very little ways to define them and to understand them we're getting there and then other things like vulnerability and resilience are part of our life and and then we keep moving through the concepts of childhood and stuff like that and we do that in our book because those are all ways that we feel a little bit disintegrated we are no longer put together in a a way, a perfect way, if you will, that we would be if there was no sin in the world, not just in our own lives. These are hard things to talk about. <laughs> and you have a whole book about them, which is great. Uh, but why why do we avoid talking about hard things like brokenness? It's really, at the end of the day, about that shame, I believe. If you go back to Genesis 2.25, it's my favorite verse in all of scripture because it has so much application and we think it has so little application is the man and wife were naked and unashamed. So unashamed is the way humanity was intended to be by God in a world without sin. And he valued us enough that he wanted us to be able to say no thank you to him and no thank you to his way. And so that is a really huge foundation to our relationship with God. And we were made integrated, right? And integrated feels so good. You know, it works when my computer works well, when, you know, when the flow is there in my life, that's integration. But so many tiny things even in this world are impacted by brokenness. And so they feel disintegrated. And so I don't think we want to talk about that because we think that that will actually bring shame when in reality that removes shame is when we talk about it and can hold it together. That's the reason why confession works, whether it's our sin, someone else's sin, or just sin in the world. When we bring it before God and say, this is hard and, and speak it out loud, speak it out of the shadows, out of the corner, then that's where we return to that unashamed place before God, even when things feel messy. I 
I think I just have to mention here that this reminds me, this very topic and how we're approaching it reminds me of one of your fellow authors, Lutheran writer, Katie Shurman, who wrote, he remembers the Baron does that very thing, talks about hard things and mm-hmm. and addresses them. There's some lament in it, mm-hmm. um, talking <laughs> about hard things includes lament. some lament, but, mm-hmm. but by doing so, by being able to speak about those things, then the, the, the word of God can be applied, mm-hmm. the gospel applied, and that shame can can be removed. So, mm-hmm. all right, mm-hmm. enough of my soapbox. Mm-hmm. Let's go on. No, it's a good one. It, you know, and I would say I meet a lot of people who are very angry with God because all of this exists, because we mm-hmm. are disintegrated, and because mm-hmm. sin came into the world, he didn't stop it. There's a whole lot of brokenness he doesn't stop that brings struggles and shame and all of that stuff into our life. And he doesn't remove it instantly, right? He doesn't change it. And he could. And that's a hard thing to spiritually wrestle with. And so I think people are resistant to opening the conversation about brokenness, what it is, where it is in our life, because it feels a little bit like we may never come back from it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so it's really a healthy thing to do this with other well-grounded people or people who are even more grounded than you are in their faith, in the word of God, in healthy human relationship. So find your people, uh, because this is not a topic that we really walk through on our own well. I think this is one place where it's very evident that we are made for relationship. Yes, you can talk to God in your quiet time about brokenness and the places you see it in your life. And that is a relationship. That's why that also feels really freeing to be able to do that and to hear God speak his tenderness in Jesus Christ over us. However, you can see how having someone else who's physically present with us in a a unique way that God has brought into our life really helps us to be able to open those things in a way that frees us from shame because the world says, don't talk about it. Let's shove it under the rug. Uh, When we have someone else that is willing to engage in that, that really is a huge picture for us of God being able to handle our stuff. I want to visit a, a point that that you make in the book, particularly at this. What is the impact of brokenness? What is the impact of the fall that we often to refer to back in in Genesis? What is the impact on on humanity, like on us as people? What's that impact on all of creation, and particularly what you zero in on is that impact on relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just going to read this little section. Uh, it's on page 24. Brokenness touches each of us and everything around us. And that's a hard truth, like we were just saying, but there's no shame in it. Brokenness brings suffering, disease, and heartache. Brokenness brings disintegration and deterioration to every fiber of our being and every space that exists in this universe. And like we said before, it is called Finding Hope, the book is, not Finding Brokenness. And so (laughs) I think that even that is hopeful for us because we do have a big God. We have a God who's bigger and mightier than the fact that uh, the planets themselves are experiencing this disintegration. We have a God that's bigger than my health struggle and diagnosis. That is one place we do want the largeness of God, if you will, that he can hold it all. 
And so the fact that we also have a personal God or someone who sent Jesus Christ to us because he knew that we needed repair in those things, that's really the impact of the fall. You can't stop with just brokenness as the impact. Instead, we are experiencing disease, but we have a God who heals, sometimes physically, very often spiritually, emotionally, and sometimes in the very long run of restoration. And so that's, I think, where you start with that impact is you have to start with the impact that is now and then the impact that is forever, because otherwise it just feels like, oh, great, brokenness. Mm -hmm. But some of us are particularly skilled at finding brokenness rather than finding hope. Mm. So, uh, <laughs> But we're going to talk about finding hope today. We're talking with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman for Mental Health Monday, taking a look at her book. We are in the chapter Brokenness and Disintegration. We'll continue the conversation here in just a moment on The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. You're a miracle. You know that, right? A living, breathing, one-of-a-kind miracle. You were created to stand apart, to share your gifts in the service of others, to make an uncommon impact in a common world. And at Concordia University, it's our mission to help you do that, to live uncommon. To learn more about Concordia, go to cuw.edu. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Mental Health Monday, taking a look at finding hope from Deaconess Heidi Gaiman today. We've been talking about brokenness. And one of the things that we like to do because of our brokenness is sometimes we like to compartmentalize to make sense of our brokenness and particularly our disintegration. Now, you explained disintegration earlier. Why um, why do we like to compartmentalize in order to make sense of our disintegration? I think we think that just like I handle my my work and my kids handle their schoolwork, if if I can solve one thing, then maybe I can solve the next. And so I think we create these like little categories that help us be able to feel like we can solve things or fix things. Those are two very important words. <laughs> <laughs> that we that we really desire. And I think the desire is important because it does direct us to God. Like we want to know that there's something better and that's what points us to restoration. So even that desire for things to be right and to be fixed is good because they are pointing us to who God is and what he is doing through Jesus and in restoration long-term. However, fix and solve are I don't think the most important things to God. I mean, I say that lightly and carefully because I don't want to overstate it. I do think God cares about fixing and solving things because he has restoration in mind. But but grace um, and second chances and relationships and compassion and empathy and truth and all those really big words of scripture that just speak of his heart, I think that those are the things that are very important to God. And the fact that God thinks grace is important means that the narrative looks different than maybe we would like it. 
you know, like grace has to come somehow and it assumes a mess. And Mm -hmm. so that's a really complicated theological truth. And like I said, I don't, I'm very cautious of overstating it. There's a lot of the mystery of God in this, but I do think fixing and solving are closer to our hearts than they are to God's heart. And so understanding that he is bigger, he is wiser, he's omnipotent, and he is um, omnipresent. He's all those fantastic things that mean that he is more than us. And so whatever fixing and solving is going to happen, I I just think that focusing on restoration is where we want to be. And that helps us get to maybe a healthier relationship with that instead of compartmentalizing so we can fix itself. Mm Mm-hmm. What happens to us when we see ourselves as uh, as parts instead of as as a whole being created by God? Yeah, well, and I think sometimes we can even take this so far. And I use I use the scriptural uh, description, if you will, of our whole self that's in uh, the Bible: heart, soul, mind, and strength. But even that we can create into lovely little compartments, so that. <laughs> We say, this is what God thinks about my body, and this is what God thinks about my mind. and this is, But that break down, breaks down really quickly. If you page through to the emotion section, well, are emotions part of our heart? Are they part of our mind? Are they, where, where does that lie, you know? And so I think that we end up, A, frustrated. <laughs> That's what happens when we compartmentalize and put ourselves into parts. And then I think that we get really fixated, and this is a huge mental health thing, the fixation, maybe even obsession or something lighter like uh, rumination, like our thoughts go over and over to the one thing because we've broken it all up. And so for instance, if I, this is a really silly example, if I don't like my nose, then I'm more likely when I'm not seeing myself as a whole person and I'm not seeing the whole package that God knit in the womb and made together and the whole narrative that he's writing in my life. Instead, I'm thinking negative thoughts about my nose all the time. And so that is one way that compartmentalization or focusing in on a part that we want to fix and solve is really detrimental to us if we don't hold it alongside the wholeness of who we are, especially who we are in Christ Jesus. And what kind of domino effect does that create when I'm zeroed in on that one negative thing, like I don't like my nose or yeah, I won't right. go into my list? <laughs> right, right. The, well, the the disintegration is really evident in that particular th- example of the way that our thoughts and our neuro um, networks and our sensory system and the whole package that we are as embodied physical people living in these uh, bodies while we are on this pilgrimage with heart, souls, minds, and strengths, how we then get into very literal loops that we can't necessarily easily control, that you can't just change your mind, right? Instead, they start to have a little bit of a life of their own inside of our brain. And we have now a thought that I've had repeated enough that is now in a pattern and I feel helpless to change it. (laughs) <laughs> and of course, God gives us things like his word and his truth and therapy and our friends and family to help us with those things. 
but it is never as easy as we like to try to make. And that's where the shame comes in, right? Where I try to help someone get out of a thought loop and they're like feeling some shame while I only mean well, uh, but they feel helpless to change it. And that makes them feel sinful. And then it moves to something's wrong with me or something is bad about me. And then, you know, more disintegration in our life. And so God instead No matter what that pit is, he can dig us out of it and he can bring his restoration and hope now. And then one day we won't have thought loops like that. (laughs) Instead, (laughs) you know, we will have something better. So I love that he works, you know, redemption and he works restoration for today, but he also has that bigger plan long term. And again, that's the idea of like the part with the whole, you know, I can focus on just today, but if I can focus on today alongside eternity, that's better for my mental health. Mm-hmm. Where do we have, where do we see Christ in the midst of all of this brokenness and disintegration and all of these, all of these hard things that we're talking about? Where is the hope in all of this? Uh, you know, I cannot help but be so thankful that God has a better narrative in mind than I would make up for myself. And I think that's one reason that makes this really hard, right? I am always just looking for something better. He just knows and he knows more. And so I think one way that I help people understand if you will, the value of brokenness. And that's the best terminology I've been able to find for it. There has to be some better terminology out there. But the fact that brokenness is terrible, but it also that God uses it. And that's something we believe that he can use anything. Just like Joseph said, like you meant it for evil, but God's going to use it for good. And I don't mean that as a spiritual platitude, as in like, God's going to use this thing and that's going to be so great because sometimes it doesn't feel like that. Sometimes it feels completely unusable. I mean, something bigger than that, like that there is some kind of weird spiritual value that there is more to the story and that God writes this story instead of me means that he allowed brokenness to come into the world because, like I said, grace and Jesus in particular, Jesus becoming man and being the incarnate son of God in our world and experiencing our brokenness, experiencing our heartbreak and never sinning, dying in such a broken way and rising again to bring us new life is far worth it. All that other junk, totally worth it. And then whatever he's doing now for us as pilgrims in this world until he comes again for full restoration. I know that all sounds like really vague and maybe not helpful when you're going through a really hard time, But there is more power in the fact that God writes a better story than I could. Hmm. Brokenness and disintegration is what we're, we're wrapping up today. What do we have forward to look forward to in the coming chapters? Now that we've gotten, we've, we've, we're starting to get into the hope, the finding hope. We're actually finding <laughs> hope and not just focusing on the, the- I love it. We are actively finding hope. Yes. So we're going to go through right now, this brokenness and disintegration is an introduction to what is happening in the messes in me in particular even though those things apply to all the coming segments. And so we're going to look at a few that, you know, I kind of 
did some picking and choosing, if you will, on what things to focus on. And they were based on the things that I heard most from other people, whether hmm. as a church member, someone doing uh, worker wellness, uh, as a therapist, as a friend, as a, a partner, a spouse in life, all those things. That was, those were the things that stuck out to me even as a speaker at events, the things that people would share, you know, that was on their heart. So body image is one thing we're going to look at next. And then we also will look at emotions. <laughs> that one's so big that I had to write another book about it eventually. <laughs> so, so we kind of touch on it in this book. And then I just started finishing up a manuscript for that one coming soon. But we'll look at big words like resilience and vulnerability also, because those are things that really shine the hope in our lives. Very good, very good. Finding Hope from Brokenness to Restoration by Heidi Gaiman from Concordia Publishing House. We have more to chat about coming up next week. We'll continue the conversation and, and we'll dig into more opportunities to find hope, not just brokenness. I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> it this is Mental Health Monday on the Coffee Hour. Thanks so much for joining us today, Heidi. Thanks for having me. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere. Anywhere.